0: Hey gang, before we get into this next episode, can I just say it would mean the world to me if you can go ahead and like this episode and also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't yet. Plus, if you enjoy the episode, sharing the content with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think might benefit from what you're hearing, it helps so much. It's not just about the algorithm. It's about sharing the ideas that are being talked about on this show and creating more community through compassion. So again, if you enjoy the show and you like what you're hearing, don't be afraid to subscribe. It means more than you can possibly know. And frankly, at the end of the day, it means that we get to engage more with each other. And that's really what this is all about. Hey, gang, I'm Nikki LaCroche, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. And on today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Adam Hergenrother. And Adam's a serial entrepreneur, spiritual seeker, podcaster, and author of 200% Life, a recently released memoir of Adam's, where he delves into his own story of self discovery while offering a multitude of valuable insights from spiritual teachings to business practices and his own experiences. Although I have to say, Adam, after going through your book, I feel like I'm doing a disservice by introducing you. (laughs) um, with all of your accolades while they're extremely impressive and amazing. (laughs) Who are we anyway? What is our identity? Um,
1: that's exactly right. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be here and, uh, and thanks for all the work that you do and the value that you bring to your listeners. And I know how much work goes into it. So thank you.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you. Uh, As a fellow podcaster, that means a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I figure we can kind of just dive right in. I mentioned yeah. your new book 200% life as I said to you kind of before we got going here. I'm I'm most of the way through it and it's just really it's such an interesting concept overall. So I'd love for you to maybe just explain before we get into really the root of who you are and, okay. and what your story is. If you could share a little bit about the concept of the 200% life and then we can kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, uh, well thanks. You know, it really kind of stems the 200% life really stems though as kind of as to you know, my life's kind of, uh, kind of unfolding, if you will, you know, for me, I ended up writing the book, uh, as a way, as a guide and a model that people could use in their lives, because I think so many people that are, um, wanting to do this kind of inward you can do spiritual personal growth inward work whatever it is that you want i mean just you know names that we made up anyways uh whatever work you want to do on the inside i think people are just waking up and realizing that there's a lot more to life than just accomplishing things on the outside again whether that's accomplishing as a school teacher or accomplishing in business and for me i i set out early on um to go out into business and so we have our audience tends to be in business and who's kind of has this um the the kind of um the weaving between business and spirituality. And I think, you know, business was always a conduit for my personal growth and I didn't necessarily know it in the same way. And writing the book, The 200% Life is really, how do you actually engage in both because I think fundamentally, a lot of people um, want to do inner work, but then they go, but I don't, I don't want to give up my business. I don't want to go sit on top of a mountaintop in front of a fire, Indian style, like reciting haikus, because it's not even comfortable it's an Indian style anyway. So it's like, so how do, I, how do I do that? You know, I spent some time with some, um, some pretty interesting folks out there, like even like Eckhart Tolle, one of the things that he said, he was like, you know, the number one question I get at him is that, you know, uh, why are you in Starbucks? And, and it's like, he's like, cause I like coffee. And so I think people have this idea that if you want to, if you want to work on your inward self or be a spiritual person, that you're supposed to look a certain way, or you're supposed to act a certain way, or you're not supposed to have a business, or you're not supposed to have kids or go on vacation or enjoy money or any of those type of things. And it has nothing to do with that. And I think for, for us and the the organization in itself is trying to get a model out there for people to be like, to understand that you can really have a hundred percent inner world and that's your being first. And then really dive into 100% the outer world as well, too. That's such a great,
0: succinct explanation. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) No surprise that you were able to do it. It's your book and your concept. So I think that example with Eckhart Tolle is such a brilliant, point to make because we sort of observe people from the outside. It's yes. so easy with social media, too, and just our perceptions of people. We pass judgment so quickly as if you can't have done the work internally and then also still be in human form doing yes. human <laughs> exactly. things, right? Like we haven't transcended entirely. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's such a beautiful point. Well, the thing that I I found so fascinating about what you've done with the book is I love the way you draw from your own experiences, but you also speak a lot to historical moments in time, our, our evolution as humans, and then also from spiritual teachings. You have quite a few quotes in the book that I've I've highlighted and really um, excite me a bit. And one of them, um, you, ha- it, it's actually a quote um, that you have leading into a chapter, though there are many that I have that are pulled directly from you, um, but It's the mind is a place where the soul goes to hide from the heart. And that just stuck out to me. And I was like, oh, I feel like that's such a great place to lead off with the conversation, because I think a lot of what you get at through your own story is you were able to become successful in your business life. And you saw this opportunity to really build everything around you. But you were doing that in such a material way. And and I speak to this moment and then the personal anecdote that you shared about telling your mom how much yeah. money you made in a year and her sort of being like, well, pass the ketchup. <laughs> That's yeah. not that,
1: yeah, that. Like, right. I
0: don't really care about that. And, yeah. um, as you wrote, you know, it's not that she, she loves you unconditionally. Um, but it's not as important to her to know those numbers and to assign any sort of value because of that. Can you share a little bit about, you know, that turning point or or other turning points in your life that really started to shed a light on what it was that you were missing and what you wanted to pursue in terms of more
1: inner fulfillment? And Nikki, that was beautiful. Thank you for that. You know, there's two major points that I that I think are important to share. One was up until I was about 15 years old, I was about 100 pounds overweight, failing classes, you know, and, and into kind of like recreational drugs, if you will. And you know, really that role model student that you wanted your son or daughter to hang out with. And I uh, I came home one day as a like this is like two weeks into my freshman year. And, you know, I didn't, I can't say it as I, as I can say it now, but at the time I was just like, this is not the life that I want to live. I'm living, I was, I was like doing these small lies all the time. There was so much energy trying to keep up a lie, you know, and just trying to be somebody that I wasn't trying to be everybody else. Everybody else wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it ended up just causing a lot of, of just um, suffering in my life, to be honest with you, not like depressed depression or anything, but just suffering at all, at all moments. And so I, 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 one day I came home and I remember listening to a bunch of Celine Dion. <laughs> she, was, she was big at the time. So let's just be clear. There's no judgment. I can get down yeah. with some Celine yes. Dion. I have zero judgment but, here. And I don't know <laughs> why, for some reason, I just kept like a, a couple of songs on repeat. And, um, my dad was working nights At the time. And so he came home and it was like midnight and I was still up and I was crying. And he came into my, my, my room and he was like, what's the matter? Like kind of like, you know, like a dad would come in there. And I was like, I just, you know, I don't like my life or whatever it was. And he's like, well, you have two choices. You can do something about it or you can, you can uh, just accept it. And he walked out of the room and like, I think about my kids now, I have three under 11. Like I would have been like in there, I would have been like coddling that. I mean, maybe it was the wrong approach, but like, it was just funny. And so he went to bed and I was like, you know, he's right. I was like, I'm going to do something about this. And then there's this kind of this new sense of energy that kind of came in there. And the next day I, I stopped hanging out with everybody that was there. And a side note on this whole thing, I don't share this as much publicly, but um. That the minute I stopped hanging out with these people and these people, by the way, this is, this is unfortunate, but I would say the majority of those individuals are dead. Um, they were, I mean, they got into much harder drugs. They got into overdoses, they got into car accidents, they got it, they got arrested. Um, and they did not like the fact that I was kind of leaving their group. And so they threatened my life. They broke all my windows in my car. Um, they, it got to a point where the police were in our parking lot. Um, we showed up with guns at one point they did. It got real bad. The police knew all these people and they knew how bad they were. So it was back in the time where this was 19... uh, this was 1996. Um, so it was a little bit different of an era back then, especially in Vermont. Um, anyway, so we kind of got through that. And after that, I was kind of alone. Like, I was kind of like in middle of freshman year. And, and then I found sports, which is why, um, you know, our foundation does so much work with sports and youth because it really helped save my life. I, you know, those words are kind of big, but they they definitely helped orient my life differently. I can say mm. that. And they gave me this kind of confidence to realize that I, you know, that I could do the things that I wanted to do with, with hard work and energy, uh, in the right directions. So I lost hundred pounds in a year. Um, and so I was about 15, 16 years old during that transition. Fast forward, um, to about when I was about 26 years old to the example that you started to share up until that point, I had kind of, now I started visualizations. I certainly was not on like a spiritual path. If you would have asked me at that time, I would not have told you that I was like going to go down the spiritual path I thought meditation was ridiculous. Again, I thought the same kind of concepts that, I, that, um, the same people think that like, you know, why are you drinking coffee or you're not supposed to have wine or, you know, you're not supposed to have kids. Yeah. I don't know. Those people think of weird things. When they think about spirituality. Yeah, And, uh, I, um, I went into business as a way of distracting myself from myself. I can see that now. And I Mm. also wanted power. I wanted fame. I wanted money. Really, when people think about the definition of success, what most people say success is, is having enough power or money or fame or authority to be able to generate and, and get the situation outside around them the way they want it so they can control the situation so they're not disturbed inside that's really what people think about when they think about definition, when they say, go be successful, right? It's not the money itself, or it's not the things they have themselves or the leverage they have themselves. It's about actually the control of the event around them. So nothing actually disturbs them inside. So they don't have to continue to do the work. I didn't Mm. know that at the time, but that's essentially what, what people think about success now. And so for, for me, I, that's what I was doing, right? I was, and I, and I went after it, by the way, like I, I, Took all of my energy and I worked seven days a week. I actually enjoyed working that many hours at the time and I started making a lot of money. And as you said, I had this goal of about a half a million dollars in income when I was 26 years old. So fast forward, this is about 10 years later after the first time I kind of had this repositioning of my life. And when I was 26, I, I was at a holiday party and I remember walking up to my mom, who's very unassuming. And I was like, hey, I made like half a million dollars this year. And she was like, that's great, pass the catch up. And in that moment, I was like, well, she doesn't care. And then, but then what happened was I asked a deeper question and I said, do I actually care? Do I actually care about this? Like, what is my intent behind it? And one of the things that listeners can take away, because people always want to know where to start, one of the the best places to start, as I put a pin in that story for a second, is um, asking yourself about the email you're about to write, the response you're about to have to your partner, the the way you're about to respond to your kids, an employee, a customer. What is my intent behind my actions right now? And what you'll find is a lot of the in, the intent is to actually make you feel better. It has nothing to do with contributing to the moment. It has everything to do with trying to get you so that the situation is the way you want it so, you, again, you can be successful and control the situation around there. And so, that was really important for me when I asked, started asking that question. Again, I, I didn't say it like that then, but at the time, it kind of reoriented myself. And of course… Um, to kind of fast forward that story a little bit, I ended up getting into TM like a couple, couple days later, actually. And, um, it, I always joke that transcendental meditation was kind of like the gateway drug for me in a spirituality. It was the first, you know, I always thought meditation was, was, this is not really a a powerful move in the business world. And it was going to disrupt my billion dollar company that I wanted to build and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, it actually got me there much faster. Uh, so I'll just pause there for a
0: second. Yeah. I I love that you shared that and the really sort of the trajectory of your life and the direction that it was heading and seeing that you recognized fairly early on, thankfully for you, it sounds like, um, that you needed to veer off and go in a different direction. Um, so whether or not your dad handled that the way that I think parents today would have it net positive with the (laughs) the impact that it had, you know, the part that I love about Um, your journey in that sense, too, is the recognition that you can change your mind about things. So I was somebody I think in your book, you made a comment about, you know, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have thought about these things. And I say that a lot on this show when I have conversations even such as this, that before I really allowed myself to go to that place to sit with myself, to explore those parts that I wanted to keep hidden for so long or just not address you know, I saw a lot of that stuff as woo woo. I'd roll my eyes. I'd scoff at it. Like, give me a break. That's not a thing. And now I'm the person that's like, you know, guys, we should really be talking about this more. Um, that's awesome. And so I think your book will resonate with a lot of people because there is, as you mentioned, I feel a collective shift happening in society where we're, recog- excuse me, we're recognizing that the way that we've been doing it for so long isn't providing that fulfillment that's desired. Yep. And when you speak about people's definition of success, it isn't isn't—it isn't what true success is. And I think, you know, I've had this conversation with my wife where I'll say, I wish that success were measured by, you know, your ability to do the work, which I think speaks to your book a lot mm-hmm. than what it is that you achieve or the level of power or money or status that you have, because that doesn't really tell me anything about who you are as a person, other yeah. than maybe you're consistent, you yes. you have drive, you're smart, you've surrounded yourself yeah. with the right people, right? right? Check that but box, right? Yeah. yeah. But what does it say about you as exactly. a person? And I feel like you do a great job in your book, really talking about that journey for yourself, but also even just as you did in this moment, Applying that and offering to people the insight that you've gleaned from your own experiences and recognizing that it isn't just about doing the work and separating that work from the other parts of your life. You had written about, you know, so many people. We shifted the conversation a while ago in business to work life balance because people are getting burnt out and it's just not enough anymore. And we need to find more. more balance in our lives. And then some people are like, well, it's not about the balance because it's, you're not always going to have that. And so then a lot of people use the term work-life integration. And you wrote that that's still not even really what the, um, what the intention is. And so you speak about work-life presence, which I really love. I think it's a, a great way of conceptualizing what we are seeking, can you share a little bit more about how you got to that place yeah. with yeah. regard to the idea of work-life presence?
1: Yeah, love it. I love your glasses, by the way. I didn't notice that they're red in the bottom. Thank you, I Thank those. you so much. My daughter would love those things. She's, I, she's
0: I can recommend a shop. <laughs> yes, exactly
1: right. That's awesome. Uh, I want to make a comment too, and I'll come back and answer that question. Uh, what you said earlier was, you know, we were talking about um, uh, kind of like success for so long. If you actually look at like larger history gaps of going back to a couple hundred thousand years ago when human sapiens, the the ability to abstractly think about things really came in line. We actually started um inscribing and leaving clues about the longest standing teachings. You know, you can take any religion or you can just look at a pyramid or whatever it is. And it's all about know thyself, who are you, who am I, all these breadcrumbs. It's funny, it really wasn't until 75 years ago that we really started really 50 years ago that we started looking up and going, go get a life coach and go find out what you want, right? Or mm-hmm. What does success really mean to you? We didn't start asking those type of questions until recently. So if you look at the larger um, history gap here, it's, it's just funny because it's only about 50 years where we, in, in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, Early 2010s, I think it started to shift a little bit. But during that period, it was like, "Go get what you want." You go get what you want. You'll have a fruit tree in the backyard, filling you total well being at all times, right? Like this, basically, right. kind of what like, you're sold. And you realize that the, the people went after that. I mean, it, it, hard, and they become you know billionaires and millionaires and whatever it is that are out there, and they kind of went hard at that. So it's funny. I think it's we're coming back to that circle, which is, "Who am I?" And I think people are just naturally waking up and saying you know, they don't know it that way, but they're asking a deeper question about what is the point of why I'm here? Like we got mm-hmm. in this world. I have no idea how I got here. And I don't know really where I go afterwards, right? We can all believe different things, but we don't really know for certain. And now I'm here. So why am I here? And it can't be the point to build a business or have kids or any of those things. And I have three kids, so I, I can we can expand on that more. It's an unconventional <laughs> answer, but like it's gotta be about something more uh, of why we're here. And and, and we, we fall so much into... Relying on life doing its own thing and us leaning into it, except for a few things that we want. For as an example, the Earth's been here for four and a half billion years. It would literally be like you taking a three hundred million page book and reading two words of it and going, "I know everything that's going on in this world." But that's kind <laughs> of what we do, right? It's like we do that, and yet the the, the you know the leaves are they come on the trees and they fall down and there's earthworms that mate and go over there and everything seems to take care of itself in a pretty good way. I mean, your heart beats 100,000 times a day without you thinking about it. Your pancreas secretes. You have 24 trillion cells, trillion cells in your body that are formulating and reconvening to make sure that you're staying relatively healthy. 99.9% of all of your breaths are healthy, right? There's so much going on that we just don't, that we don't, that we just allow to, to unfold. Except for when life outside starts to happen and we don't like what's unfolding, we then push our hands up and go, I don't really like this. And it's and that's really the true definition of being egoic, right? It's like, it's about me, not about life doing its thing. Anyway, that's my side note about the history. Oh, I know
0: what I love that. I, I yeah. want to, if I can comment on that, yeah. I feel it's like it's such a, an interesting and very thought provoking <laughs> perspective. <laughs> And one that I would probably have myself, you now have many things spinning in my head where I'm like, oh my gosh, existential crisis. Um, (laughs) because you just, you realize how small you are and, um, in, in the universe, but then you also have so much going on within you. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes that juxtaposition can be very disorienting because it's like, I'm so small. Do I matter at all? But then there's all these miraculous things happening within you, the, the physiological things that you're referring to, but then, As you're pointing out in in this conversation in your book, that spiritual component, that sense of self, that soul part of who we are is there. But because it's not tangible, so to speak, that it's much more difficult for us to wrap our heads around what that looks like for it to really serve a purpose or have meaning.
1: Yeah. You know, it's it's, and that's wonderful, wonderfully said, you know, it's, you don't, we don't have to even buy into the fact of spirituality or personal growth. You can just ask a simple, couple of simple questions, which is, do you have a voice inside your head? Right. Mm -hmm. We all, nobody, every time I've ever asked that question, never had somebody say, no, is there a voice inside there? And you go, yes. Do you have emotions? Yes. Can you tell the difference between irritation and anger? Can you tell a difference between jealousy and frustration or love and hatred? And you go, of course I can. And I go, well, then who is the one that can tell the difference. Who is the one who's actually experiencing the changes in those emotions? Who experiences one thought and then experiences another thought? Because that's really mm. who you are. So you're already people are already so much closer to this than they think. They just they can't put it in the physical world. But we're doing this every moment. You're listening to the voice so much. It's like a two year old toddler that's spoiled. That's literally getting every part of your energy and you're listening to it at all times. And we're so close to it that we can't separate. But yet every moment we know that there's a voice. We know that we have thoughts. We know that we have emotions. We know we have this kind of spiritual heart, which is, again, like if something really good happens, you just it's like, oh my God, I feel so much rush of energy. It's not like a phone call or a lottery ticket injected anything in you. It's just, you opened yourself up, right? Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things, yesterday I was on a podcast, somebody said, where do people start in trying to have more love in their life? And the reality is, is, don't try to have more love in your life. Just work backwards and don't close your heart and you'll have all the love you want, all the love that you can share. Because if you if you just relax around the edge and keep your heart open, which everyone knows how to keep your heart open, very few people know how to open your heart because it's mm-hmm. very few things that actually go out there and turn you on to open that. But you can keep your heart open. You know, you have that that half a second before your partner, you know, is a before you respond to your partner, you know you have that half second to go. Am I going to close right here and allow this anger or irritation or judgment jump in and then come out? You have that moment, right? I, I gave this example over the weekend. I, um, my my partner and I, we 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 don't really argue or fight, and we we got into this silly little like kind of argument, and I was like, wow, we're actually arguing. And I'm like, I talk about this stuff, and we're actually like arguing. And my youngest daughter, who's a gypsy soul. And she's seven and she stops and she goes, mom, dad, you guys need to hug right now. And, uh, (laughs) and I laughed, but this is what happened. Every part of my ego was like, fuck you. You're not (laughs) hugging this person right now. And it, it just, it was like every part of me was preventing me from walking over there. I'm I'm like, why am I defending this? Like, this is what we're trying to get rid of. And I was like, so, and I didn't, by the way, in that moment, I literally, because I was like, I just need, I went mountain biking. I came back and then I was like. Even I, I walk in the room and I could tell she was still mad at me. So I walk over and I'm like, "Give me a hug. I love you very much. I'm sorry." And even when I was saying it, it was this this buildup of energy still wanted me to yell at her and be right and be yeah. and tell her why I'm right and why she's wrong and all this stuff. And it's just a, it's just an example of in our personal lives, of like those little things. We just we tend to defend this ego for no reason, of just except for the fact that we get caught in the the energy of the emotion. And it feels good to satisfy it. And it's like the same way if you're addicted to drugs, I get it. If you're trying to get clean, it's going to feel better to go take a hit, right? I mean, you're going to, but then you're putting yourself back into the same position, the same hamster wheel, and you end up playing that same game for the rest of your life.
0: Well, I love that you just gave that example about you and your wife, because I had a very similar situation (laughs) arise like last week with mine. (laughs) And it was... It's difficult when you're so close with somebody mm-hmm. and you don't argue a lot. There's not a lot of tension. So when there is tension, yes. you're like, this is incredibly uncomfortable and I don't yes. want to have to experience exactly. this. Exactly. Like, Why can't it just go away? Yes. Um, it's so unfamiliar, which is a beautiful problem to have. I was in a very high conflict relationship before, so I can appreciate it a lot, yes. which I think also makes me more tense about the conflict. Yeah. And so when you share that, I so appreciate it. I think a lot of people will. It's like. It is this part of us just wanting to prove our point, even if it's not about being right. It's like you're energetically feeling attached to the outcome and that outcome, like you desire for that to be your quote, win. nobody wins, there is this element of surrender. And you speak about that in your book too, that it's what happens when you let go of the outcome. And I found that to be such a powerful statement because In those moments, we want the win. Like I said, quote unquote, win. nobody's winning, it's not about that at all. Um, Something that I have probably said to a lot of people recently, and, you know, we've all I'm sure seen it or heard it somewhere, but, you know, it shouldn't be me versus you. It should be us versus the problem. And in those moments, it's very hard for it to feel like it's us versus the problem. It's like, no, it's very clearly me versus you. (laughs) And that ego is just so desperate for validation that we can't step away from it. And so what you did in, in going for a bike ride and, and kind of coming back and being like, even though I feel the anxiety and the stress still, and your wife obviously was too, it's that moment of let's retreat from our egos for a second and yes. allow us to just be present in this moment together. And it doesn't mean that the problem is solved. It just means that, you know, you've taken a step closer to get there and that when you let that guard down and you what you were just saying about, it's not that difficult for us to keep our heart open once it's open, but it's difficult to open it up. Yes. And I do feel in my experience with this podcast, I'm so grateful that so many people come on and they do, they have open hearts and they're here yeah. for that conversation. But I feel like a big part of where we struggle as a society, humanity overall, is that we are not able to access that part of ourselves to open our hearts to each other and be and be able to really... Give a sense of appreciation or lack of judgment, or whatever it is that people are seeking to offer the connection that we're all craving as well, and so. One of the things that I really seek and, and strive for with this show is to help people create connection, a f- sense of compassion through hearing other people's stories. But it also is so important to have that connection with ourselves. And I, that's what you really come back to time and time again in your book is that you have to understand enough about who you are and what's happening within you to get to that place where you can truly open your heart. So do you feel like throughout your journey, there have been moments where you've sort of ebbed and flowed in that ability to have your heart open?
1: Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. And, you know, there's a, it was really well said, you know, the, one of the biggest things is, is like people want to know like what surrender is and what you surrender to. And in kind of both those examples, the thing that people make a mistake on, and I do talk about this in the book, but it's worth mentioning is that they try to surrender or try to relax the anger or the emotion or the disturbance itself, which is one of the first mistakes people can do. Because literally um, when anger, the nature of anger is to be angry. So you're not going to, because everything we know is energy, right? We've all looked, the scientists will tell you that. Everybody will tell you that we're all just energy. So the thing is, is we can't, um, we can't, we can't change the nature of what that energy is. So what we end up doing is we try to jump in there and try to basically relax something that can't be relaxed. And let me give you an example of this. If you had an open pond, right? And the pond um, was completely clean and you dropped a, a rock in the, in the middle of the pond and it created a ripple. And you're standing on the edge of the pond, then you go, I don't really like ripples. And therefore, as the ripples as in an analogy in terms of your emotion, you jump in the pond and try to smooth it out instead of actually allowing the ripple to just be and exist in the way that you want it to. Mm. And that's the same thing with surrender is when you're surrendering, you actually are surrendering and allowing the energy to make its way through you versus trying to Actually, deal with the energy itself, and and we talk about the four stages of spirituality. One of the first phases, and into the second phase, when the real work begins, it's really painful, and it takes a tremendous amount of energy and effort to keep that heart open because every part of you wants you to jump back into your old way of dealing with your energy, which is to express it or to jump in and try to manage it. An example of that would be like anger shows up; somebody did something to you, and you go. And then all of a sudden the mind's like, well, screw that person. They hate it. And then all of a sudden for an hour, you're just taking that down a path, right? That's like how terrible it is, how I'm going to get back at this person. I'm going to go build a whole other company for them. Fire Like all you did is spending your entire life. On this one event that you couldn't allow yourself to actually let go of so you're not you're not serving anything at that point you're not serving your ego instead of actually contributing to larger parts of things and so yeah. it's such a it's just it's very we, we, people need to watch that as when they go on their path it's not about surrendering and not taking action what you're surrendering to is you're allowing here's my the simple definition of spiritual growth is being able to handle reality If you are a doctor and you can't handle the sight of blood, then you're no no good to the scene. If you are a parent and you can't handle your kid freaking out or being not being the way you want them to or not good at sports or you know doing drugs whatever it is you're no good to the situation either. If you're an employer or a business owner and you can't handle a client or an employee or people leaving or people coming or handling those situations then you're no good as an as a boss or a leader either. So it's spirituality or personal growth is really just it comes down to can I handle the current situation in front of me? And what that really means is can I allow the event to come through? I'll experience the event and I understand a rattlesnake feels different than a butterfly. There are two different things. Making money feels completely different than losing money, right? Going through a divorce feels different than getting married. They're, they feel different, right? We we understand that. And so, we're not saying they feel the same. What we're saying is that experience is happening. Can you handle the experience? Can you allow it to make its way through you so then you can act with clarity? It's always R-R-N-A, right? It's relax, relax release and then act. Mm. So people hear surrender or passivity and they think it's about letting a lion eat them when they're running or something like those lions it's yeah. really about allowing yourself that emotion that this triggered which we can get into some scars later, but like it's something that's triggered, an event happens and it triggers something inside, creates this disturbance, right? And this can be a simple thing as you look at an email or somebody's calling you on the phone and it's not the person you want to be calling you and you, it's, oh, right? Just you instantly get into that mode. Now you're going to be responding from that instead of being, I'm sitting here in the middle of planet earth, you know, there's billions of stars in our own galaxy and there are trillions of galaxies that are out there. I'm pretty sure I can handle a phone call. I mean, can you handle reality?
0: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) That's a powerful statement. And yeah, I, I feel so connected to your message in that way too. And again, with just sort of the reference to the grandness of everything that exists and where we fall in, in the order of that, it it's so minute and it's not to make our lives insignificant. In fact, it's to allow ourselves to be more present in the moment and understand that we can, we can handle it, as you've said, because I, my initial instinct was to say, manage it. And it's like, no, it's not about managing it. It's about working through it. And um, I appreciate that you also gave the example of how divorce feels different from marriage. I've um, experienced that. And it is uh, fundamentally very different emotions and places in your life. And what you feel when you're going through those experiences Honestly, it was a moment in my life where I had to allow myself to let go because yeah. there was so much that I couldn't control. The circumstances were out of my hands, and I had actually just lost my mom, my mom at that Whoa. point too, and so it was like I don't know yeah. what to do with my life. Like <laughs> yeah. this is not good. And yeah. so I think that you know, getting to a place where you're almost in a lot of cases I think many of us are forced yeah. to handle it yeah. because There is no more sense of control. And that is a very daunting place to be. That's when I started to connect with my spirituality more, partially because my mom was gone and I really needed to feel that sense Mm -hmm. of connection. But the other part of it, it was even before she passed away. And I was recognizing I... Listen to a lot of Alan Watts lectures and just philosophically wanting to connect to that sense of self and oneness, and being like, okay, getting more into the Zen Buddhist approach to things and learning more about that shared sense of humanity and connection that allowed me to somewhat peacefully, I'll say, because there were still moments, um, work through what it was that I was experiencing without the the sense of judgment or the feeling that there was no way that I could get through it because there, as you've described, there are going to be moments where you feel like this is it. Like that's, I there's what else can I do? And I think when you're asking yourself that question, as you've made the point, it's like not much. Yeah. And just let that be that way. Yes. It's not to say that surrendering is giving up, but it's, it's that you're allowing it to just be what it is. And for me, I think that, there's an opportunity where you turn your life into the thing that you want it to be, but
1: you have to surrender before you can even get to that place of recovery. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're so spot on. One of the reasons why people feel like there's an itch that hasn't been itched or that they feel, you know, throw the word, they feel inauthentic or they feel like they're, they're not living their true self or whatever combination of words people want to put together. Part of that is, is because they're so addicted to living from something, narrate and tell them what to do their entire life which is your mind. Um, I mean, it's really what it, even like right now when people are listening to this, I would ask them to think about whether or not they're actually listening to us or they're listening to the mind narrate whether or not they like what Adam said or didn't like what Adam said or they, they don't agree with what I'm saying or oh, I really agree with what that is because that's really what, we're so close to that, that the mind narrates everything in their life so you end up listening through the lens of the mind and then putting judgment and perception on everything that's there. And that's ultimately why they people feel inauthentic or not true to themselves because you're not actually living true to yourself. You're actually living true to the mind. And the mind mm-hmm. only knows just past experiences and things that you've read and watched and kind of experienced and people have taught to you. It only knows a small segment. I mean, think about in the 40 minutes that we've been doing this podcast. I mean, you think about the billions of events that have happened alone in Texas, right? Like there's so many different events. So it's like, we, we hardly have any glimpse of what's actually happening except for this small frame of reference that our mind has. And again, we just don't know. So true surrender is, is understanding that, that what I'm going to, that life that I'm going to give it back to life, because life knows way more about it than I do. And to think that I know how life should be or what I'm supposed to do from the mind, from its experiences, it's not wrong. It just doesn't work if you watch the process go on. And that's what ends. That's what people end up getting addicted to is this, this, this insect voice that's there that's just characterizing. And then you can put an eye in there, which is ruining your life instead of running your life. And once you get away from that, it's hard for people. One of the, the steps people that, that write to us and they're they're like, you know, they can't imagine not having that tell them what to do. So how would I live my life then? Like what would I even do? Right. Like people always get there and they get all excited like, what am I just gonna give up? What am I just gonna do? Is sit in a bed. And I go, no, like think about the times that you've been in a flow state. Maybe like think about when you've done a like a a wonderful conversation, a podcast and you just start talking and like you're not thinking, but it's coming out and it's flowing or Mm -hmm. in sports and it's just flowing. You're you're not using the mind in the way of like trying to think about what you're going to say. You're just saying it in the moment. And just like in you know, that flow state of, of work or business or presenting, you, you can get in that flow state and you're just interacting directly with life. That starts to show up way more in your life. That's what starts to guide you. And that will start to feel way more authentic because you're actually aligned with life instead of aligned with the mind, then almost fighting life, which feels like a big obstacle for all of us. <sighs> Yes.
0: I feel like there are so many moments in this episode that I just want to go back and reflect on because Me too. it's so insightful. And the thing that you said, too, about how we perceive everything through this lens of our mind and, and the what we know, what we've experienced, the way we've interacted with life thus far, is it, it's interesting in how that plays to what the concept of spirituality is as well. And the idea of our soul and that intangible part, because arguably our souls know more than our minds do. And and that's part of what you're saying, right? Is give yourself space to let your mind release expectations and let your soul feel what's actually happening for you and, and be present in that. So you can, as you said, interact with life as it's happening. I think that's
1: just such a beautiful way of putting it. Call off the search. Right. So many people are searching, you know, this is why people f- are f- fear death, right? People fear death. If you haven't noticed, we're all going to die, right? Just, just to be clear on that. We all are going to die. People fear death because they still think that life owes them some special experience or that they're still trying to figure out who's here or who they are. St- they still think that some experience they haven't had yet is going to fulfill them. Ultimately, if you are fulfilled in, 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 in a state of kind of peace or joy and you allow that self to go on there, death takes nothing away from you because you've already experienced it. It's again, it's only that the mind then extrapolates some future event when people contemplate death about why they're afraid of it is because they think they're going to miss out on something in the future, which is all mind generated anyways. And so this is why people fear it so much though, is because they still think that there's something to search for. They're still thinking that there's something that's going to unfold for them that's going to be the magic bush that comes down there and makes them, you know, again, whole. Well, it's actually that search in itself is what's preventing you from actually experiencing yourself because mm. you literally are trying to run away from a shadow that's yours <laughs> instead of pausing and just call it off and fall back into your own shadow.
0: Yes. Um <laughs> I, it's funny because since you made the comment about, you know, it's not about whether or not we agree with what somebody's saying or the perspective of what I have. And I'm like, yes, I
1: agree with that. But wait a second. Hold on. Is this a trap? <laughs> yes, yes. My mind does the same thing. It's just the key is to being aware about it. Right. It's just, that's again, the mind's a wonderful tool. I mean, it's gotten, it's going to get us to Mars. Probably it's allowing us to do this, you know, this video podcast that people yeah. can listen to. I mean, it says amazing things. Just don't let it run your life. I cannot
0: agree with that more. Well, I know we have just a little bit of time left here. And so I did, you know, I wanted to dive a little bit into where you are now on your journey, because so much of what you've written, as I said, I highly recommend the book. I, I think my mom from the other side, wherever that may be, is very appreciative that I have done this podcast because I have read more books in the last year than I read in the last probably 20 years of my life. So thank you for contributing to that. She appreciates yeah. it. Um, of course. I think that what you've done is create a really great guide, but also um, opportunity for people to check in with themselves yeah. and ask about, you know, where am I on this journey and what makes sense yeah. for me moving forward? So with where you are now, having written the book and and coming from this place of more connection to yourself, what is it that you are you know what? I don't even want to ask the question this way. because I I was going to ask hoping for, for the future, but there's the expectation, right? It's a trick. Um, what is, what is it that you hope that people will get from your book? Um, I think the insights that are contained within are the obvious part, but for you on a, a personal visceral level, is there something that you're really hoping that people will feel when they put the book down
1: or open it up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, is that people can orient themselves in just a different direction. Instead of being so focused on the 100% external world, they just turn a little bit and realize there's a whole 100% inner world. And it's ultimately your, your sincere intent about doing the deep work will be your guide. I mean, nobody, you know, most people are, are reading menus thinking they're the meal their entire lives. And it's the same thing with books. You have to really do the work. Um, and, and the book is just, It doesn't matter what book it is, some of the best people could write it or what poem you read, or those are all wonderful intellectual things. But until you understand and taste an orange, you can't describe what an orange tastes like. Until you experience doing the actual work itself, you you won't really understand what the deep work of a release and where this can lead to you. So in writing the book is, is, is one to kind of answer your question. You're going to ask the first one is really kind of like memorialize it a little bit for me. And also I, I did it as a way of kind of mapping where I am now and to where I can look back in a period of time. One of the hardest things about writing the book was when do you stop? Because every day I'm gaining new insights every day. I'm letting go of a little part of me that is allowing me to be even closer to pure consciousness. And so it's like, there's just new insights every day. So it's like, I just kept wanting to add and add and add. And so at some point, you know, Michael Singer, if you've ever listened to his or, or read any of his books, um, he's in a, credible and he's a dear friend of mine. And like, you know, he's, he's like, go publish your book, get it out there, memorialize it to where you are, because there's a lot of people that need to be brought up along up until this point of their journey, um, Mm. to where they are. And so that's kind of part of what it is, is kind of getting that out there. And, and again, I think we're, we're on this precipice of people really shifting. You, you see this right now, even with all of the the strikes going on for all the different industries that are out there, people want something more than their life. It's everywhere. It's, it's just palatable and you can feel it. And so to me if people can grab this and just orient themselves and say, okay, what is my intent? Like am I am I really on this game that I think I'm on? Is this really the game that I want to play or is there something more to life? And again, that's why I really frame it the 200% life because it's not about giving anything up on the outside world. It's not about renunciation. By the way, when 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 people say you know, I'm going to give up everything and I'm going to go live in in a tiny house and do this stuff. That is the same thought as somebody going out and buying Ferraris and Lamborghinis. It's still a thought that you're now, you just have now devoted that to calling it more of a spiritual path, right? It's, it's, it's not really, it's still a thought. And well, it's the external manifestation of what it is that you're trying to achieve internally. Exactly. It's not, so it's never about, that's, that's why this deep work is never about not having things in life they're fun to play with right it's just wonderful you know there's a mechanical aspect of life you don't want to live above your means but that's a whole you know business side of things i have a thousand plus people that work for me so i i get you know from the mechanical side of running organizations and business in your life that's that's a whole like a check checkbox over there but for your own life it's 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 about once you become clear the answers become undisguised And that's really all I can tell you. But the thing is, is you have to do the work to clear yourself and the answers will automatically show for you and life will open up in a way. I know that sounds so like airy-fairy or abstract, but I promise you it'll just start showing you. And and people go, what does showing me mean? It just, all of a sudden an employee leaves and you think it's the worst decision, but you accept it and you you allow it to work through you tomorrow somebody you you're at a dinner party and somebody is looking for the same position and there happened to be so much better in terms of where the organization's at and what it needs now and that person comes in there that's what that's how it opens up that's what it means it's not like you're gonna win a lottery and all of a sudden you're gonna be all set right that's not it just life opens up where you're running late and all of a sudden there's a parking spot that's right there. i mean it's just that's the type of stuff if you're willing to let go and get in line and give and, and really follow follow into that um Life will become undisguised in a very clear way, and it'll feel um it'll feel different because you're no longer allowing that mind to run and ruin your life. you're allowing that mind to join you for the journey that you can use as an analytical tool and you and you fall into the na- exact nature of who you are so you can fulfill that into this world
0: mm, wow, so poignant and spot on I think the way that you described doing the inner work and the challenge of explaining that to somebody is so relevant to where a lot of people are on their journey, especially when you've gone down your own path and you've experienced that growth and that understanding. And to use your analogy with the orange, like how do you tell somebody what it tastes like if they've never tasted it? It's so perfect because you can't I'm constantly saying like, you need to do the work. I'm doing the work. I, you know, I went to therapy being like the reason I'm doing this is because I genuinely want to try to be a better person. And so at the end of the day, I'm sure we, and many other people know that you're not going to convince somebody to do something they're not ready to do. So to tie it all into what you've shared thus far, I do feel like a big part of that is, Opening your heart and being willing to let in the unknown so that you can navigate that with a bit more um, grace and less judgment for yourself and not just hold to a desired outcome, but to really be able to flow with life in the way that we were intended to. I I just really appreciate everything that you shared.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, you have a beautiful soul. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Likewise, anybody who's listening, you can learn more at adamhergenrother.com. That will be in the show notes. I will not spell it out here.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can it's also high get th- to figure that one out. So you're doing great. I'm figuring that getting that right there.
0: <laughs> you can also get the 200% life on Amazon. I think wherever books are sold, but Adam, is there anywhere else you'd like people to follow you?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can go to adamhergenrother.com. It's going to be by the time this show comes out, hopefully the audible version will be out and I can have some fun with that as well, too.
0: I appreciate your time, your energy, and your desire to help people become the best versions or the the most free and happy versions of themselves, Adam. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck? And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts it's always appreciated and you can also visit who the fck.com to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content catch you on the flip side
1: welcome to transforming 45 the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices the culture. Electric acid.